While we wait to see whether Brian Burns gets a new deal by the weekend, you know, there is a game on Sunday, and we waited a long time for there to be a football game involving the Carolina Panthers that matters. So let's go ahead and talk about that game right here on Locked On Panthers. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Lockdown Panthers podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, your team every day. That's our motto here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe or follow the show for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, at Julian Council, where on Wednesdays, like today, throughout the rest of the regular season, I'll be answering your weekly Wednesday mailbag questions here on Locked On Panthers, either at me or DM me to get those questions into me for next week's edition of the weekly Wednesday mailbag here on Locked On Panthers. Today's episode of Locked On Panthers is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NFL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And I guarantee you today that we're going to talk about the Carolina Panthers' upcoming matchup against the Atlanta Falcons. As plenty of you have asked me questions about the game that's occurring. On Sunday, but the biggest news, unfortunately, here in Carolina is that Brian Burns, Carolina Panthers' best player, is currently holding in without a new contract. I am recording this around one o'clock on Wednesday, September 6th, as Carolina Panthers should be hitting the practice field. I'm gonna check my phone because I sat there and I watched Frank Reich's press conference and Bryce Young's press conference, and Reich was asked a litany of questions about Brian Burns and whether he'll be available and his thoughts on the whole situation and everything that's going on. He again expressed his support for Brian Burns and also um, expressed that this is a business and a player under contract is expected to play. So we'll see whether that happens. We did talk about it a lot on Tuesday's show, whether Brian Burns would be out there on Sunday. I do believe he will play, but I will not be surprised if he doesn't play because of the situation that is unfolding right now here in Carolina and really in San Francisco as Nick Bosa also is Without a deal, and Brian Burns, of course, has to be tied to the Bosa negotiations as he waits to see what Bosa gets and then probably points to the Panthers telling him, I want something respectable when comparing my contract to what Nick Bosa is going to get out there in San Francisco. So looking at the Twitter and trying to see if he's out of practice, looking at Mike K, I'm currently seeing... Nothing, because it doesn't look like they're out on the practice field just yet. But let's go ahead and get into it. Your weekly Wednesday mailbag questions here on the show. And a couple of y'all have asked about Brian Burns. We'll get on to other things, but these are the questions, and this is the top story. So we'll get into it right now. George asked me, do you think the Brian Burns thing has anything to do with the Panthers wanting as much of a salary cap as they can next year, or is it not how contracts work or how his contract will work. Well, looking at the projected cap space, according to overthecap.com, the Carolina Panthers right now have $55 million in projected cap space in 2024. Then when you look ahead to 2025, they have $151 million projected cap space. Now we'll see if they actually do have that amount of money when they get there, which will not be the case. They will have a far more uh, reasonable amount of cap space once they get to 2025. But right now looking ahead to 2024, 
they have $55 million, which is a, a really good spot to be in for the Carolina Panthers when you have a deal like Brian Burns that needs to get done and there's some other players out there. Now, looking at some notable free agents, in 2024, who would be needing of a new deal in Carolina? Currently, have Brian Burns, who I expect the deal to get done hopefully soon, but it will happen. Uh, then there's Jeremy Chin, who's looking for a deal. Uh, Frankie Louvu, who will be starting for the second year in a row here in Carolina, he will be looking for a new contract and looking for a contract that's going to pay him handsomely, I will add. Uh, CJ Henderson, I don't see that happening here in Carolina, but he'll be looking for a new deal. Yuturgos Matos and then LaVishka Chenault. Those are the six notable free agents on the team right now that will be up for new contracts following the season in 2024 when free agency starts. So Brian Burns, I believe, will get taken care of. Jeremy Chin, that will be an interesting negotiation as – Typically, you'd like to see guys who are going into the final year of their deal have this thing figured out before they get to that point. Like with Brian Burns, same case with Jeremy Chin, and I have heard no discussions as far as the negotiation between Chin and the Carolina Panthers. So yes, the Panthers have to weigh the cap space and the guys they need to take care of along with trying to take care of Brian Burns, like Derek Brown, who they picked up his fifth-year option for next season. You would think that this upcoming offseason, it would be wise to try and get that deal done instead of being in the same position this time next year with Derek Brown. Um, and also, you got to think down the road, you're probably about three, four years away, depending on how Bryce Young performs. And if he performs how you expect, you're about three, four, four years away from having to pay Bryce Young like $250 million. So... You have to weigh all of that. Scott Fitter always talks about how he has a plan, and people would ask about certain contracts, certain players, and they have a plan. It's hard to make that plan if you don't have a quarterback. But now that they believe they have a quarterback, when it was like Sam Darnold and they had a year or two to figure it out, same thing with Baker Mayfield, hard to go out there and give players like Burns and like Brown a ton of money if you don't have that position figured out. But because they have the flexibility – of that rookie contract, and they have cap space going to next year and should still potentially have a significant amount of it in 2025, I do not think that salary cap concern should be any sort of argument against getting a deal done for Brian Burns that pays him the amount of money that he absolutely is owed. And as I talked about it yesterday, that's between like 25 $28 million potentially uh, when we look at this new deal that I think he will get in due time. So yeah, it could factor in, but I do not think it's something that should be holding him back. And I was having a conversation with somebody on Twitter earlier today, you know, talking about, oh, Panthers got also way draft compensation and all that. The Panthers have six picks in next year's draft. They have their own second rounder, their own third rounder, their own fourth rounder. They have San Francisco's fifth rounder from the McCaffrey trade. They have Tennessee's fifth rounder. Uh, I got to go back and figure out what trade that was. And the Arizona's sixth rounder from the uh, Robbie Anderson trade. So you can see how you can pick up draft picks via trade. Now, those are all th- day three picks that they're able to pick up from the trades that they've made. And of course, they don't have their first round pick. But the Panthers, they got to do a better job in nailing the draft. You look at the five guys that they took this past spring, Bryce Young starting. Chandler Zavall is officially starting right guard until Austin Corbett comes back. And Jonathan Mingo starting. So three of the five are starting. That's the kind of hit rate they need. Opposed to where you look at 2021, you're looking at about a three and a half out of 11 guys drafted kind of hit rate as far as how they perform so far in Carolina. So you just have to be better with your draft picks and also, you know, be wiser with them. And then if you can make some shrewd trades, get some guys who can help you out at a good cost, that can help you moving forward. But I just don't think that 
salary cap, the draft picks, that's the kind of stuff that should be holding them back. Because there's a lot of young players that they would like to keep here who are coming in to contribute that they don't have to pay like right away. Like they're still years away from having to pay Bryce, Mingo, some of the other players that are also younger on this roster, like Icky. Like they have time. Okay. So take care of the guys right now that are up. And then you can, of course, think about the future, have a plan, but really you cross that bridge when you get there. Um, now, Stone asks, what's the most you think the Panthers should give Brian Burns? I think we need him. I mean, honestly, just pay the man because he is our best player, LOL. But to the Panthers, what is the most they would give him? As was written by Joe Person the other day, they would be more comfortable paying him over along the lines of Max Crosby. So that's about $23.5 million. And as I've discussed with y'all um, in link, at length yesterday, uh, typically the way these things go, the next guy up gets paid more than the previous guy. Now, Bradley Chubb, his overall money was more. The overall guaranteed money was a, barely a million dollars more, if not even just a couple hundred thousand more than what uh, Max Crosby got with the Las Vegas Raiders. And his annual average value isn't even more than Crosby's. And you look at what he's produced so far in the NFL, Brian Burns has done more. And I looked at the first 49 games of Burns compared to the 49 games that Crosby and Chubb had played before they got paid. But here's the difference. they Burns didn't get paid after year three. Burns is now going to get paid after year four, which allowed him to go have a career year with 12 and a half sacks and be a two-time pro bowler now. So the money goes up. So I believe that the Panthers should be paying him between 25, 28, and they got to go 29, 30 because of the leverage play, then that's what they got to do. Is that what Brian Burns should be getting? I mean, I don't know. Who am I to say? But either way, uh, I wouldn't be shocked by it. But I would think between the 25, 27, 28 million dollar range wouldn't be crazy for the Carolina Panthers to pay a guy who is right going right into his prime, who you would expect to go out there and to continue to be a pro bowler and then perform potentially at an all pro level. At least that's how you're going to be paying them uh, as an all pro kind of level player. They are an edge rusher. So again, they don't have much leverage. They need to get this done. Frank Reich did say that this has not been a distraction for the team, that the team they spoke um, as a whole about this. And that, you know, Shaq Thompson, of course, come um, out in defense of Burns. The team voted him as one of their six team captains this year. So there's plenty of respect there. And he's there lifting weights. He's in meetings. He's just not on the practice field. And yeah, of course, there's a doubt of whether he's going to play or not. But I believe if he plays, the Panthers will easily be able to throw him in the game and Brian Burns will look just like the guy that we all know and expect that he will look like this upcoming season and has looked in the past as he's, again, ascending into one of the top young pass rushers in the NFL. So enough of the Burns talk for today. Let's go ahead and get into what's going on with the Panthers against the Falcons this weekend. I'll answer some of your questions about the game coming up between the Panthers and those darn Atlanta Falcons on Sunday afternoon in Atlanta in just a moment here. On Locked On Panthers. No matter why you shave, Harry's has you covered for the best shave of your life at a price you'll love. From their legendary high quality razors to skin products like exfoliating face wash and hydrating lotion, Harry's gives you a premium shave without the premium price tag. Get better quality and a better price than other razors when you get Harry's delivered right to your door. Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, and they're still offering a no risk trial. Don't like your shave? No worries, it's on them. Get your best shave ever this summer with Harry's razors and skincare products. Get a $13 starter set for just $3 at harrys.com slash NFL. That's harrys.com slash NFL for a $3 starter set. All right, let's get back into it. The weekly Wednesday mailbag here on Locked on Panthers for the rest of the regular season, either at me or DM me. 
on Twitter at Julian Council to get your questions in. Over to Jake, you asked, what does Carolina need to do to beat Atlanta this week? Will we say dynamic passing attack, which we haven't seen in years? And that is very true. We have not seen a dynamic passing attack in a very, very long time. Jake. So the keys to the game, and I'll talk to Aaron Freeman, the host of Locked on Falcons, on tomorrow's crossover Thursday episode here on Locked on Panthers. So stay tuned to that as we break down the game from both angles as far as the Panthers side of things and the Falcons side of things, and then give our predictions, even though I'm probably not going to give like a prediction because what good does that do me? Because y'all are going to just throw it in my face. Um, So as far as the keys of the game, the Falcons have an outstanding running game. And I do have a level of concern in a way um, down the defensive line. Like Derek Brown, I'm too concerned about him. Uh, and really not even the starters. But say there are some struggles from a guy like Sean Williams who's going to start. And maybe there's somebody gets nicked up. Do you have confidence in Nick Thurman and in LeBron Ray to come in to really – their first, it would be LeBron Ray's first NFL action. Like, I have a little bit of concerns there. And they lose a guy in Henry Anderson who's really supposed to be one of those guys that can come in and set the edge and stop the run. Like, I do have some concerns when it comes to that. Now, Frankie Louvu, Shaq Thompson, like, those guys could be there to clean things up. But if Burns doesn't play, then, yeah, there's another concern about that. I am very curious to see what Desmond Ritter looks like um, and this passing game. I know they've added Mac Hollins, who had a career year last year in Las Vegas. Of course, there's Drake London's there in his second year. Kyle Pitts. Uh, we'll see how they utilize Cordero Patterson. Arthur Smith is always creative in his utilization of him. But that running game with Bijan, like that's really what's going to come down to is winning the trenches because the Panthers are going to have to stop the run because the Falcons, the first game in Atlanta, ran all over them. Second game here in Charlotte on Thursday Night Football, that was not the case. So we need to see how this Panthers defensive scheme running a 3-4 is able to hold up against the run. Because the last time we saw a primary base 3-4 scheme here in Carolina was in 2009, and the Panthers were terrible against the run. And that's back when they had Luke Keekley back there at linebacker, even if it was his last season playing. You still had Keekley, and you had a veterans up there. So I'm curious to see how this team is going to be able to play against the run. So that is certainly one of the keys uh, to the game. Uh, you look at it protecting Bryce Young. The Panthers did not do a great job of doing that uh, during the preseason. And while Chandler Zavala looked like he belonged for the most part in those preseason games, it was in limited action. Can he hold up for the 65, 70 snaps, however many they will play on Sunday against the Falcons? Can he be able to maintain and hold down a guy like Grady Jarrett, who's really good. So that is some concern that I have. And we did see in that limited sample size, Bradley Bozeman against the Giants really struggle. And we saw what Quentin Williams did. They have another guy who is in that echelon of players that they're going up against in Grady Jarrett on Sunday. And isn't Calais Campbell also an Atlanta Falcon, David Anyamata? Like they, they got a pretty solid defensive core there. And those guys get get after Bryce Young from the interior. The Carolina Panthers don't protect better than they have um, in the preseason. And we got need we need to see Ike Iquanu play better. Like it all gets started up front. Everyone should know that by now when it comes to winning football games, especially here in Carolina. So the Panthers got to be able to stop the run. It would not be nice to get pressure, but the Falcons want to be a team that I, that is just identified by how they, how they run the football. And for Carolina, if we want to see that dynamic passing attack, well, we need to see Bryce Young up front, protected in the pocket and not having to evade the rush. And now the great thing about Bryce is that he is able to find ways to do things off script and be able to create. And that's why the Carolina Panthers wanted to draft the number one overall. And that's why he won the Heisman Trophy there at Alabama during the 2021 college football season. Uh, but for me, 
stopping the run, protecting Bryce Young. Like, those are the two things I'm looking at. I don't look at the Falcons. I think they probably have an improved passing attack. I do that. I also believe that is going to really hinge upon whether Desmond Ritter can truly be a quality star in the NFL. We will see um, on Sunday how he starts out and, like, how the season goes for Atlanta, of course. Um, but really, for me, like, I would rather stop the run and then try and have Ritter beat you. Because do you think that Desmond Ritter – would you take our secondary here in Carolina with Dante Jackson – J.C. Horn bringing in uh, Von Bell, having Xavier Woods there, then you know Jeremy Chin in that nickel role. Like, wouldn't you take the, that secondary against those receivers if you force Desmond Ritter to go out there and have to beat you? Like, that's that's what it comes down to, in my opinion. Like Ritter, it's like his fourth career, fifth career star, something like that. Doesn't have a lot of experience in the NFL so far. Neither does Bryce, of course. So I would be forcing uh, Desmond Ritter to sit back there and have to beat you with his arm 35 times on Sunday, more so than the Falcons being able to rush 40 times and just run it down your throat for 200 yards, which we saw happen a year ago last time the Panthers were in that building. So those are kind of the keys for me heading into Sunday. Um, Grant also has a question about the Falcons, saying obviously a W against the Falcons week one is the ultimate goal, uh, but what else would you be looking for in the Panthers' performance to consider the day of success win, lose, or draw? I would absolutely – every time there's a tie in the NFL, I laugh. Every time people get so upset, <laughs> it's just, I just find it funny. It's one of those things like some people just want to watch the world burn. I, I root for ties when any game goes overtime in the NFL. I'm just begging for a tie just to see the epic meltdown that people have. It's like, oh, this is America. Games can't end in ties, even though the most popular sport in the world by a mile soccer or by the rest of the world called football. They have ties and, you know, it's completely fine. But here, people just lose it. Uh, so I, I hopefully the Panthers, I honestly don't even know how to break down a football game if it ends in the tie. So I don't want that to be thrown back in my face and have to talk about a game that happens like that. Um, I really go, it's something I've said throughout the entirety of time that Bryce Young's been here so far in Carolina, the development of Bryce Young. Now, Darren Gann, Panthers.com, asked Frank Reich on a Wednesday afternoon about this. Hey, how do you balance you know, the short-term urgency to win, but also the long-term development of Bryce Young? He's like, yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously key because like, the Panthers want to win. They know they have the Falcons and then the Saints start the season to divisional opponents. Like They can't just sit here and just only focus on Bryce's development. But really, if Bryce goes out there, Throws for 300 yards. I mean, hey, remember the first time uh, we saw Cam play and what he did? <laughs> so, like, if he can throw for 400. But if Bryce goes out there, throws for 300 yards, a couple touchdowns, no turnovers, like, looks like he's the guy and they lose, then, damn, you're like, okay, we got a quarterback. We got to clean some things up, but we have a quarterback. And if they win and he does that, then, yeah, you feel even better going into it being like, okay, so just one on the road against a division rival with – Barely seeing the offense as a as a whole because you never saw Miles Sanders. You barely you didn't get to see DJ Chark in that third preseason game. You haven't seen Lavishka Chenault really lined up in the backfield or doing whatever they want to do with him this year. You haven't seen this offense be what it plans on being and be able to establish an identity. So for all of the scrutiny and all the hand wringing about what they look like after the Jets game, if Bryce goes out there and is dicing up the Falcons. Win, lose, or draw, I feel like you're going to be in a good set of mind, like uh, my, my mindset, set of mind. What the hell was I about to say? A good mindset, if that is the case for the Panthers. So I really look like that would, I look at it as that would be 
kind of a successful day for the Carolina Panthers, win, lose, or draw. Bryce going out there and looking like he belongs and putting up the numbers that show that he belongs, that the Panthers have a chance to really get off to a good start, even though they're starting four of their six games on the road. All right, take another pause here on the show and come back and answer more of your questions, including who are the guys who are entering a make-or-break year potentially here in Carolina. That coming up in just a moment on Locked on Panthers. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. So if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 100% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress of game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again. Create an account and redeem code locked on NFL for 200 sorry, $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, a few more questions here on the first ever weekly Wednesday mailbag on Locked On Panthers. The uh Weekly Wednesday Mailbag will be with you all season long on Wednesday. So get those questions into me by either adding me or DMing me over on Twitter at Julian Council. Over now to the other Jake who asks, there are a lot of Panthers starters that are already dealing with injuries. Sanders, Jackson, Chark, Marshall, Horn, Hayes, etc. Are these make or break years for any of them? Should Pan- should Panthers <clears throat> should the Panthers consider trade options for any of them and get picks or players? You always say availability is key. Does it make sense to move on from one of them? If so, who? Okay, well, Miles Sanders just got here, so uh, we're not shipping him out the door just yet. <laughs> I think Miles Sanders has got at least two years, but if Deuce Daly's here still, then uh, you know running backs will always matter in Carolina. So Miles Sanders, the hamstring or the groin, I, I, no, <laughs> I'm not, I don't think it's a make or break year for him. Uh, he's under contract for like four years, but really it's two years. He's not going anywhere unless he's just like a disaster this year, which I don't think is going to be the case. Dante Jackson. That is one, though, where I don't think the Panthers are really in a position to trade him. I do understand that they still have C.J. Henderson, who, free agent coming up, and they brought in Troy Hill, who also is a free agent coming up. So that would not put the Panthers in a good situation. So they cannot trade any of their corners. But Dante Jackson, it is, in a way, a make-or-break year for him because let's go through the injuries the last three years. 2020, he battled through a turf toe valiantly, but still missed some time and just was not the same guy. Uh, 2021, had the uh, ham, the groin or hamstring, what, whatever lower body injury it was that kept him out for the rest of the season, the second half. And then last year towards Achilles, which he's now coming back from. And from what I saw in the preseason, kind of looked like the same D-Jack. But there is a way to get out of this contract after this year. Dante Jackson does not show to be a number two starter opposite of J.C. Horn this upcoming season. <clears throat> Excuse me. So if you look at it, post-June 1st, trade or release, the Carolina Panthers will be able to split the dead cap hit. So it'd be $5.1 million, million in 2024 and then $4.5 million in 2025. 
they would get $10.6 million in cap savings in 2024. That is enticing, whether Dante plays well or not, because the Panthers could draft a player and maybe draft someone in the second round, put them opposite of JC, and have a Dante replacement right then and there. So that is an option. Also, let's recognize this. Next year, Dante is going to be 30. Do the Panthers want an aging player who has struggle of injuries on their roster going into 2024? Possibly not, especially if they can save $10.6 million and be able to split that dead cap hit over two years if they decide to trade him or release him with a post-June 1st designation. Like That is something to certainly consider. So I think Dante Jackson is absolutely someone who needs to play at a high level. We talked about some of the guys that need to get paid. Would you rather be able to pay Jeremy Chin or let go of Dante Jackson, someone who may, we'll see how the year plays out, not be reliable as far as staying healthy and available? That's something to consider. Uh, Also looking at DJ Shark. Well, yeah, obviously it's a make or break year for him. He's on a one-year deal. And if he wants to be in Carolina or he wants to go elsewhere and get paid, he needs to play at a high level. And like Dante, Stay healthy, Terrace Marshall. Yeah, I, I mean, think of trade him. That would be in a way that would actually make a lot of sense. He's some of that you would want to trade. You have your top three. It sounds like they want to find a role for Chenault. I don't know what Terrace Marshall's role is right now, and if he has one. So the Panthers probably should be interested in trading Terrace Marshall. If they don't get a trade done, then I would he, same case going to next year. That would be someone that you would probably look at trying to trade. For J.C. Horn, yeah, it's in a way, it's a make-or-break year because it's year three. And after year three for first-round picks, what has to happen by May? A team needs to exercise that fifth-year option. We saw for C.J. Henderson, the way he performed his first two years in Carolina and how it happened for him where the Panthers said, no, we're good. Derek Brown performed well. The Panthers said, yeah, we're, we want that. Same case for Brian Burns. So J.C. has not been healthy. He's been good on the field. But if he's not healthy again this year, no matter how well he plays – it doesn't make any sort of financial sense for the Carolina Panthers to then hand him the kind of money that they would have to give him by exercising his fifth-year option for the 2025 season. Like So J.C., yeah, he's got to play well and stay healthy. So it's kind of a make-or-break year for him to start uh, securing his financial future here in Carolina and elsewhere in the league. And then Marquise Haynes, your last one. He's a free agent after this year. He's also getting up there in age. I feel like it's his last year either way because like I, I think we know who Haynes is. And here's the thing. He's starting off the season on IR, and when he comes back, what are we really expecting out of Haynes? So, yeah, I, I guess he's won, but I, I don't. I think this is it for him after this year anyways. All right, um, my guy never really told me his name here, but he's B-Champ. That's his name over on Twitter, so go follow him. Um, he asked me, there are some concerns, and y'all brought this up. Um, I wasn't going to get into this, but I guess whatever. Um, there are some concerns about Fitterer. If he can get a deal done with Burns, how much does that, coupled with his draft history and Corral being one, put him on the hot seat? And we've talked about this like the last two weeks, I feel like. Scott Fitter is directly tied to Frank Reich. If the players, and in, in, as I told y'all yesterday, Reich has separated himself from these contract negotiations and all that kind of personnel stuff. That's Scott. He's letting you know, that's Scott. I know that it's a collaborative effort. There's alignment there. But he's like, it's Scott. That's not me. I'm here to coach the football team. Uh, I don't. I, I think that if the Panthers struggle, like if Bryce Young doesn't work out and they lose games, that's going to cost Frank Reich and 
Scott Federer's job. Maybe David Tapper decides to stick with a coach and gets a new general manager. But typically in the NFL, GMs get two coaches, whereas coach, they get one shot. Typically how it works. We look in Tennessee. John Robinson was there with Mike Vrabel. He was there before Vrabel. Brought in Vrabel. They had success. And now Vrabel is still there. John Robinson's gone. A lot of times because John Robinson's drafts didn't hit. So that could be a scenario that plays out here in Carolina, but we'll have to wait and see how things work out here over the course of the next couple of seasons. Next question, um, final question really, comes over from Van, who says, there were quite a few signings from roster cutdowns up until recently. Which, so you think, which do you think will, uh, who do you think will get a chance uh, to see the field in the first few weeks? i got to really edit some of the things you guys write. Um who do I think will get a chance? Well, Amir Smith-Marset was signed or was traded for the morning uh, of cutdown day to be a returner, so I would expect him to play for sure. I could see a potential um, outing, at least on special teams, and maybe even with the uh, first-team offensive line for Calvin Throckmorton, who is going to be a swing tackle. I could see him coming in for heavy packages. He could play special teams. If they want to fill someone in at guard, I think he could get an opportunity. Uh, and by the way, the Panthers, as of this recording, only have 51 players in the active roster. They have two open roster spots that have yet to be feel, filled. And like they should be on the practice field. They were already done with practice by the time you even hear this on Wednesday. And I have not seen any new signings. So that is something that is interesting. The Panthers are heading into the first week uh, down two guys. Potentially three because Brian Burns not, might not play. So, yeah, there's that. And then last, and then he had another question saying, I'm not local to the Carolinas anymore, but I know there is a lot of optimism and excitement around this year's team, which Panthers year team has come closest to this level of enthusiasm right before the season. So I was, you know, growing up here, being a lifelong Charlottean, I was like actually gone, if we want to be honest here, from like the fall of 11 until basically – 2018 in December when I moved back like I was in college from 2011 through 15 so in 11 when Cam got here I wasn't around I, I that would be my answer I would imagine that was the last time you had a new head coach a quarterback that was drafted number one overall that would make a lot of sense for me the last time people were this excited about a season I don't know what people's expectations were going into that year I don't imagine people thought the Panthers would be a playoff team I think this year there are people who think the Panthers can be a playoff team based off of how close they were to being one last year and thinking that the coaching staff should be much better, which I agree with, and the quarterback play should be much better as well, which I agree with. So I would say probably 2011 maybe. It's possible that 2016, after going to the Super Bowl, barely missing it, bringing back so many guys, starting off with Denver week one, which I would always hate the NFL for doing that to that team, to make them have to go have to play that team, then losing, and then it's like, oh, well, damn. Like that just – completely deflates you to spend all offseason knowing that that you can get revenge which you're never gonna get revenge you lost the game but they go out there and beat them the second time around so maybe that year um but really since i've been back there's been no excitement like 2019 there's a little bit of excitement because like okay you still had cam and then 18 had fallen apart and all that because the cam got hurt but still you get mccoy people felt good about it but then that fell apart basically week through the preseason when cam got hurt um, and then 2020, nah, I mean, I guess people are just happy to have football. I don't know. There's a lot of excitement going that year. 21, same case last year, dread. This year, I think this year, probably 16, maybe even 14, after going 12 and 4 and 13, there was a lot of excitement. 
So I, it's for me, I, I, just, I haven't been around for so long uh, since when, when there's been excitement. Like that's the thing, like being gone in college then living in Connecticut, working at ESPN and living in Nashville, covering Tennessee, but still paying attention. Just had not been around for a lot of the good years. And when I came back, it was just bad. So for me, it's hard to really answer that question. I'm happy that people are excited and it's it's better than the alternative because last year going into the season, God, that sucked because y'all were just awful, just miserable people. And I really hope that we don't have to go back and live that again. So appreciate the question there, Van. Appreciate all of y'all. Uh, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Lockdown Panthers podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, hosted by yours truly, Julian Council. Again, y'all, make sure to subscribe or follow the show for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, at Julian Council, where next Wednesday I'll be back with a weekly Wednesday mailbag to answer your weekly Wednesday mailbag questions, either at me or DM me. But again, first, follow me there on Twitter, at Julian Council, to get those questions into me now. But in the meantime, be safe, be happy, be whole. As always, keep pounding. And I'll talk to you all on Thursday, where it'll be the first crossover Thursday presented by Prize Picks here on Locked on Panthers as we talk to Locked on Falcons host, Boo Aaron Freeman, here on the show. <laughs>